This is the Fight Back Podcast, hosted by exercise scientist Georgia Berry. Here, you'll find a series of honest conversations about martial arts and mental health. My guests and I explore the statement that every martial artist has heard. Martial arts saved me. How and why do combat sports save people? Listen to find out. Before you get into today's episode, I have a really important favor to ask you. So you know how we've worked out that martial arts seem to be able to save lives? Well, I want to work out how we can do that on a global scale. So I'm hosting an international conference to uncover what is best practice for trauma-informed martial arts so that we can create an evidence-based therapeutic tool. After this conference, I'm going to be able to take this document to government, lobby for funding, and create training programs to upskill more people as trauma-informed martial arts instructors. This is going to mean that trauma-informed martial arts become accessible around the world to those who need them most. It's really, really important work that I'm doing, and you can help. So please pause this episode, jump into the show notes, and check out the GoFundMe page that I've linked. If you can donate, that is amazing. If you're unable to donate, please share the page to your social media. Both of those things really, really help the cause and you could save someone's life by gifting them the gift of martial arts. Okay, so I'll see you back here in a minute. Go do that and then we'll get into today's episode. Simone, welcome to the Fight Back podcast. Everyone, I am here today with Simone Offord, who is a two-time K1, which is kickboxing champion based here in Australia. Simone, how are you going? Hey, good. Thank you. How are you? Such a I've been looking forward to having you on here for so long. Your story resonates so much with me, resonates with so much of what we talk about. So let's start at the beginning. How did you start kickboxing? Well, um, I was at a time in my life where I was really, really low and um, a friend of mine had said that they'd gone to the doctors to um, to get some help with their depression and their doctor advised them to do some sort of exercise. Um, so I was like looking for something. I had heard her story and I thought, oh, I might try some exercise too before I go and see a doctor. And um, a friend of mine who I was working at with, he um he knew a, a trainer at a kickboxing gym and he gave me a free pass and I'm like, oh bugger it, I'm gonna give that a go. So I gave it a go and um I absolutely loved it and I kept going back and back and back and back and back and then oh before you knew it, I was like practically going five nights a week and I you just could I just couldn't stop. I was just so addicted to it. What do you think made you so addicted to it? Oh um the feeling that it gave me, the, the the strength inside me that it gave me to just, um, uh, like I said before, I was at a really, really low place in my life and it just gave me so much strength and power to, um, it just made me feel so strong and powerful and just, it just took, it took, it took all my worries away. You know, when I was there, when I was training, I didn't feel any of that sorrow and it just made me feel like just, just so strong and powerful and I just wanted more and more and I was just, just wanted more of that feeling. Yeah. At what point did that start to translate outside of the gym? Like, was it pretty early on or was it only when you were at the gym that you were feeling good? How did you go about navigating that? 
Oh, I'd have to say it did take me a little while because, I, I mean, I had children, I had a family, I lived at like 40 minutes out of town on the property, so it took a lot to sort of juggle. Um, all I knew was I was giving something for myself, you know, and I felt a little bit selfish with my family, you know, that I had to, you know, have so much time away from them, but at the same time I sort of needed it as well. So I think uh, I'm going to say definitely at least maybe six months before before that, but then I got to the point where if I if I didn't get it that day, I'd be so down and upset, and I and I need it was it was it's such an addiction. It's hard to explain. Yeah, it's it's a common thing that you hear people replace one addiction with a new addiction, and sometimes it can be like an addiction to food or addiction to alcohol, or it can be like an addiction to cleaning or doing things and then you replace it with another addiction being exercise, which for the most part is the healthier addiction of the two. Oh, absolutely. I don't know how many times I've said, well, I mean, it could be something a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. What was the point where you were you were no longer just doing it as a hobby, but you were thinking, all right, I'm going to fight? Oh, I think I've been training for like two, two and a half years and I just um, I knew I was sort of pretty okay at it. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when I just sort of, and then obviously started sparring and just enjoyed that so much, just thrived on it. And then it was like, oh, wow, I'd really love to know how I go against someone else, you know, like who has been training it as well. So I like definitely like two and a half years sort of thing where I started putting my feelings out to my coach and sort of said, you know, I really wouldn't mind giving it a go. So, yeah. What was sparring like for you? Because I think it tends to go a couple of different ways for people, right? Because it can be such an emotional thing when someone's trying to punch you in the face. How did you navigate that? Oh, at the start, it was uh, like when you're hitting hitting pads and things, you're like, you know, you do the perfect round kick, really good punches and that sort of thing. But when you're sparring, you've got someone hitting you back. It's like, oh, my God, I'm really crap. You know, <laughs> like this, this doesn't work. You know, stand still sort of thing. Um, so it was sort of, um, yeah, the first few months was sort of like, oh, my God, you know, like I've got so much work to do. I'm not good at this at all. But at the same time, it sort of just made you feel alive inside, you know, like um, you, you were going to use all those skills in uh, not, not just practice but in some, in some sort of contact sort of way and you had to, and you had to sort of survive on those skills and, and, and work out what they were going to do and what you were going to do and that sort of thing. So it's sort of um, I've always loved a challenge and it sort of with the challenge was just great. It was like, okay, what am I going to do next? Or if they kept getting it with a jab and it's like, oh, my God, I've got to work out how to stop that, you know, like, yeah, just the challenge was just really good. Yeah, I love how fighting can help people build their, I like to call it their resilience toolkit. You know, different people use different things, you know, preparing for a fight, you might meditate or remind yourself about the good things you've been doing or you focus on sensation, touching things on the floor or you know, all sorts of different things that different fighters use as their way to ground themselves. But I love for, and I'm assuming, right, for people like yourself where you're very action-oriented, when you hit a patch in your life when people around you start to say things like, oh, you should be meditating, you know, maybe you should be doing more self-care, it's like, (laughs) I'm not going to do that. I'm going to hate it the whole time and think of all the other things I could be ticking off my to-do list. Was that what it was like for you? It helped you create this this toolkit of mental health care for yourself? Oh, absolutely, 100%. It's, um, I was never sort of the meditated person. I was exactly what you said. I, I'm not a person who can just sort of sit still. But in a weird sense of the way, when you're sparring, when you're competing, when you're 
focused on a fight when you know like you live it breathe it every single day you know that you've got you know every everything you eat or everything you do that day is going to affect your training in some way it's sort of like you are meditating because you that is all you're focused on do you know what I mean like you you don't have any of the other worries around the world you know it doesn't matter that kids down the road are having a birthday party or, or, or whatever do you know what I mean all you're focused on is you, your next fight and your opponent and, and your training and what you can do to be better and um so it's a it's a it's a it's meditation but in a completely different way to other people yeah definitely yeah. how have you gone about juggling being selfish as a fighter because when you're a fighter you are selfish everything you do you're like everything I eat every time that I sleep like I have to get my eight hours there's so many times where you're saying no to other people and I notice myself I feel selfish when I'm in fight camp and when you put a few back to back you start thinking I might take a little bit of time off just for the people around me that they can also have a bit of a break but how did you go about juggling that while being a mum well I think a lot of it comes down to what you want most. I'm, like I said before, I thrive on challenge, you know what I mean? So, like, you know, you've got dinner, you've got school runs, you've got homework or, you know, you've got a friend friend over and that sort of thing and work as well. Like a lot of it would be, no, I've got an hour here, I can do this. You know, no, I've got two hours here. Or like, like you know, you'd get up at 5 o'clock in the morning or even 4.30 if you needed to. You know, you'd put a slow cooker meal on so you didn't have to worry about dinner. So when you got home from work, that was sort of done sort of thing. Um, I was lucky that my eldest daughter was um, a lot older so she could look, um, you know, she was able to mind my two younger ones when I was, you know, off for an hour at training or two hours at training. So I probably leaned on her a little bit too much. But um, more than anything, just again, like I said, what you want most, you know, you can get up two hours earlier and do it, whereas most people are sort of pottering out of bed or whatever, you know, or if, you know, if you ha- if you finish work an hour early, you know, you'd go for a run sort of thing before training or, so, you know, you just, you just fit as much into the day as possible. You know, I when I wasn't fighting, when I said, like you said before, you know, you might take a break back to back, I would, I was bored, literally. If I had an hour free, it was like, oh my God, what do I do with myself? What do people do? You know, <laughs> like, I, every every hour of every day was full. How did you go with the pandemic then? Oh, nuts. Absolutely nuts. I have this little um, room under my house. Actually, I'm sitting here now, so it's over in that area there. Um, you know, I have my own punching bag. I have my mat sort of thing. I actually have a good friend who's just um, holds pads for me sort of thing and, you know, my lone little weight session and that sort of, yeah, every morning, three, two, three times a day I was down here doing something. <laughs> Yeah, I was the same. I found it so hard to just suddenly not have even so much time that was no longer filled in, you know, travel to and from the gym, not filled in, needing to do so much meal prep because you weren't having to take food with you, like no longer quite filled in, um, traveling to and from work. So there was all this extra time in the day and I was like, but I can't do more than a few hours of exercise. So what do I do with the rest of the hours in the day? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you you just... Oh, you literally, I'm yet bored. Like, it's like, oh my God, what do people do? <laughs> yeah, I have practiced pretty hard to be able to sit on the couch because I, I do know that my recovery needs that. You know, you need to be able to take some time when, when you are competing at a high level to let your body recover. And that's been a skill that, that I've had to work on. But I love the path of going from you know, being in a tough place, then getting into training martial arts and then realising that you're probably overdoing it a little bit and pulling it back rather than, you know, struggling to get to training. I think I prefer it that way. 
Yeah, absolutely. It is a it is a tough pill to swallow, but sometimes you just have to know what's best for you, and you have to have to take it and and do it. What was your first fight like? Oh, my first fight was crazy. It's just so nervous, really, really nervous. Um, I did terrible first round. Actually, I always used to do terrible first rounds, but um, and then as soon as I sort of started to um, I mean, I guess the same with a lot of people in their fights. You know, pick up and and get a few shot, good shots, and the crowd sort of started to roar. It was like, it was just like, oh, my God, yes, you're just hungry, but I wanted more and more and more of that. So then that's when you, you just kick in and, and all your training just comes together and you just go for it, yeah. Once you get over those nerves, I think, that's when it when it comes. When you know your first few fights are always about nerves, I guess, yeah. And what about, sorry, and was it the same going for the titles? Oh, no, the titles, I was so much more headstrong I think I think I, I love looking back and thinking where my mental state was for my titles um I, I was just so ready so prepared you know like um the nerves weren't there I used to always say to myself um if I get nervous or I get a wave of nerves that's literally just um you know 20 minutes of energy that I've just given to my opposition so I'm not going to get nervous I used to just say to myself snap out of it you know you cannot get nervous you cannot give her that energy um so by the time I got to my titles, um, I was yeah much more able to hot control that. Yeah, definitely. Do you practice the same technique day to day, like in traffic or the kids are going crazy? Do you do the same thing or do you use different? Uh, obviously not to that extent. Um, yeah. But I just always be prepared, I think. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm probably have a bit of OCD or just a... Um, perfectionist you know what I mean like if I've got something on it's it's planned out it's thought of I've I've taken the steps to get to, to make everything run smooth if that makes sense yeah doesn't it then tricky well not tricky I think we overuse that word but doesn't it then throw a spanner in the works if things go wrong what do you do then oh, yeah yeah <laughs> probably ask my children that's when <laughs> probably be not be a fun person to be around <laughs> I see a lot of me and you <laughs> what's next for you well I've actually sort of taken a step back from fighting um I've sort of you know reached an age where I'm kind of if I don't give up soon I don't think I'll ever give up and then it might end badly you know with injuries and that sort of thing um so um after my last Australian title you know and I could also see a little bit of the pressure with with, that it was getting to my children you know they were sort of starting to get to the age where they needed a bit more attention and, and get have them you know be really obviously just expect a little bit more from me which I needed to give them so um I'm actually just teaching classes from the gym that I train out of which I absolutely love plus doing my own training which I could never give up because I Mm -hmm. um I'm just so addicted to the sport so I feel like my my fighting has finished um unless maybe I get a pretty good offer (laughs) from someone who I'd really like not to get one of my titles maybe um I might think about coming back but at the moment it's just definitely like and just just passing my knowledge on to people you know at the moment we've got a few people who are super keen at the gym and I just love watching their eyes light up and it just reminds me of me and I just I just look at them and I just want to draw that out of them and just give them all of my knowledge and but but also be part of their journey too like um you know just I just, I just want to spar with them. I want them to feel or, or know a move or a little trick that I used to know when someone would do that to me. You know, so yeah, just, just quite happy to do that for now. 
What are some of the lessons that you learned, particularly having your experiences with how you got into the sport that you're now applying when you're working with students? Oh, um, probably just understanding more um, how good it can make you feel and understand, you know, like if you look over in the corner and you see someone who's maybe has has been paired with someone who doesn't can't quite draw out of them, you know, like you, you know, you've sort of got a really, really beginner again, some, you know, with someone who is a little bit more experienced and, and came to that session for um to get something for themselves, you know, like I sort of feel like I can I can notice that and I can swap them around or I'll hold pads for them or something like that so that I can draw that out of them. It, yeah, in the same time, obviously, the, we've all got to start somewhere helping the beginner as well. But um, just knowing, I think, why people are there in class and trying to give each and every single one of them what the, give give to them what they came to that session for. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? People do come for very different reasons. And I think to be able to pick out the subtleties in people's body language when you can see like, oh, they're not quite happy with, you know, how they're going or even if they're feeling down upon themselves, they're, you know, feeling like their technique's not good or something like that. So when you're training other people and you notice things in them, you know, like a body language shift or, you know, you can see kind of on their face that they're not having the best time. What are some of the other things that you'll do, you know, shift people around? What are some of the other ways that you kind of uplift a group? Oh, um, well, so, sometimes people don't understand what they're doing until they, um, until you sort of can sort of explain to them what would happen, you know, like it's like, oh, well, you, you're going to, you know, slip this way because they've just thrown their cross and while you're here, you know, you can power it up with this this kick across here. So maybe just try and explain what they're doing because sometimes they're just a bit like robots, you know, like, oh, we're just doing a jab, kick, jab, kick, you know, that that, that sort of thing to give them that sort of energy or, um, you know, maybe, um, you know, just correct their t- technique a bit or just, just sort of make them laugh or like, you know, like, oh, I saw that, you nearly got hit, you know, like that, that, that sort of thing, you know, just to sort of just to make sure that they're not just um just a number in the class just doing their little thing, that that what they're learning and what they're um experiencing is just as important as everyone else. Yeah. It's so powerful. I think we would be so blessed to have coaches who were thinking like that with their, all of the students in their classes. <laughs> I just know how much it I love like what they did to me and I just want everyone to experience the same feeling. Are there anything that you can think of that when I suppose needs that you wanted to have met when you were first coming into class, when you were having this depressive spell that you like kind of wish that were different or that you've thought of now that would be like, oh, that would have been good? Oh, it's hard to say really because I was very much in my own, I've, you know, I've, I've spoken to a few people now who know a little bit about my journey and they say, oh, when you come to class, you know, like I I was sort of not so much rude but just head down, just focused every time, do you know what I mean, like when I came to class and I just I, I wanted to get everything I could out of the classes back then. But I, I honestly really couldn't say I would change anything because my coach was brilliant and he did give me everything that I needed. Um, in my classes, um, 
Yeah, that, yeah, it's a hard one. Sorry, I can't, re- I can't really say that I wanted more because I just love my journey so much and it and got me exactly where I wanted to do. And I, I, I never ever left feeling, un, you know, unfull. If that makes sense, yeah. Did you bring your friend to kickboxing who was trying exercise at the time? No, I didn't. No, she wouldn't come with me. I brought my sister and my nephew and um, my sister didn't stay long. She wasn't her thing, which is fair enough. Um, my nephew actually started and he he had a couple of fights before he sort of left and found a wife and had children. Um, so, yeah, we were, um, it was good. But I was also very fortunate enough that the same time I started that two other girls started as well that same week. So we sort of powered up and we, we would, you know, um, partners for for a good while and um so I was really lucky that they were always there for classes too right at the start are there any other parts to your journey or bits of the story that we haven't kind of teased out yet that you feel like might be helpful for someone who's maybe going through a similar thing at the moment uh I guess maybe um to sort of just touch on just just how I think I feel for myself Muay Thai is so different to any other sport, you know, like, and I I, I can't really explain for everybody, but just for myself, like netball and and, and soccer, you know, you've got a team behind you and and that sort of thing. When you're fighting, it's for yourself, you know. Life um, can spin you lots of curveballs, some good, some bad, and and there's a lot of actions people do to you that um, or say or feelings that you get that you can't change, whereas Muay Thai or, or any sort of martial arts, I guess, you have the power to change. You know, if someone wants to hurt you or someone wants to throw a cross or a kick at you, you have the power to learn how to block it and fight back, which is exactly what your podcasts are about. Like, So just that I feel um, really, if, um, I, like I said, I feel that, that, that martial arts is different in that way um, because you can fight back. It's something you can control when bad things are happening. To, no, well, it's not bad. It's, it's a sport environment, but you have the power. You've been given the tools. You're learning the tools. You can fight back. You know, you, you're not alone. You're strong. And if, if someone tries to hurt you, you can fight back, you know, and you, yeah, I just, um, and, and just simply how, like, I guess, uh, you're, you're just in fight mode. You're there to survive. You know, it's not about, oh, he said this or she said, or oh, what can I do to change it? It's like, it's like you, you've got three minutes in a ring or even just a three-minute round, even if you're not fighting, you know, to to do everything in your power to to not get hurt, not get injured, or, or to, to learn those skills and to, and, and to fight back, you know, just, just that survival. It's back right back to the absolute basis of just survival and it just, and when you win or when you get a land across or something or, you know, a, you do feel power because you did win, you know, like you, you, you fought back and you, you, you survived the hit and, and you, you were able to fight back. I've never thought about that connotation of fight or flight. So, for example, in my programs, we talk a lot about how to create an artificial life or death, fight or flight kind of feeling in the body. So I always yes. think, you know, anytime the heart rate goes up, part of your body is like, why is this happening? Is a child, is a tiger chasing me? Am I going to have to fight somebody, you know, and to be able to calm yourself down after that, when it's not an emotionally loaded um, stimulus in fight or flight, it's not somebody said something to you is a really, is a great skill to practice. Take yep. it to another level 
when you're going into the ring and all of a sudden you're going into fight or flight where there's there's going to be an outcome. Even if you lose, at least there's a definitive outcome. Your body didn't just prepare you for fight or flight only to have to just let it go or to, you know, switch into shutdown mode because the person who you were screaming at wasn't receptive for some reason, to you screaming at them. Um, You know, lots of reasons why fight or flight doesn't necessarily serve us except in the ring, right? Oh, absolutely. That's it. Um, You you need it. You know, you are are fighting or flying, you know, Um, and you're right. Whether whether the outcome is um, win or lose, you can't just lie in the corner and die. Do you know what I mean? You can't just stop, you know, and go, oh, my God, I can't do this anymore. You have to fight back, yeah. And and everything you have just trained for, and you know you want that belt, you want that win, sort of thing. So you you push yourself to keep going, and and that's it. Yeah, you just can't just sort of just give up and 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 stop. Yeah. We already talked about it quite a lot, but I'll put to you the direct question that I ask everyone, which is, why do you think so many people say Muay Thai saved or changed their life? What is it about it? Oh, for me. Um, it gave me strength to get, like I said before, to get through some really dark places in my life, and it, it saved me in that sense. You know, I, um, without going too much into it, I I believe I was suicidal before I started Muay Thai, and um, it it made it gave me some purpose, some sort of drive. So it made made me feel like I was going to be someone, or I could be someone, and just gave me the strength to get through the bad days of my life. That. Um, you know, knowing that if I could just do that on a, on, a, on pads and just and, and be able to fight back so hard, of course I can get through today. Of course I can get through whatever challenges come through to me. So, um, yeah, it, it 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 did save my life because my mental, my mind was not strong, and I and it 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 just built all these blocks for me to to get through get through life, and and it's made me such a strong person. What advice? I love it. I love it so much. And I love hearing everyone's is slightly different, you know, and I think a lot of people's why Muay Thai or or whatever martial art had such an impact on them has to do with this experiential knowledge that you can fight back. Like you said, it's not like soccer. It's not like netball where you're like, oh, yeah, I know I'm good at this sport. It's I know I can do some level of offensive or defensive maneuvers, even when they are within the confines of the sport, right? Like K1 is even very different to Muay Thai in terms of like you can't clinch and in a street situation, you can argue over all those things, but you know what it's like to be attacked and attacked back. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, and and it's all you. Like, I mean, obviously you, you've got your trainers and that who get you there, but it's just you in that ring. You know, you have you have to use those skills that you've been taught and 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 action them yeah yeah it becomes very difficult to still hold space in your brain to say I'm not enough I'm not good enough because you can't say oh my team was carrying me when it's only you who goes over the ropes or under that's exactly right even when we get fighters now you know like and you you sort of see someone who's slacking a bit and you think well you know they've got to get in that ring you know like if, if they have to are going to be the one who's who's got someone who's trying to literally knock them out so you know if they're not putting the effort in here then then I can't help them when they're in the ring yeah that's right absolutely what advice would you give and you're quite well placed to give this I don't know if we've had anyone be able to answer this 
we might have, and I'm sorry if anyone has, but what advice would you give to mothers that are looking to start doing some sort of a martial art that are inspired by your story and they want to be like you? Oh, go for it a hundred percent. You are, you are worth it. Um, your mental health is worth it. And but I, so many people would think Muay Thai is physical, but it's not, it's so much, it's probably 80% mental. Um, just do it. Like, I mean, I know that don't, and don't, feel too bad for giving giving back to yourself you know you like I said you are worth it just obviously it's hard and if you miss miss a lesson you miss a lesson you know you you still don't be too hard on yourself you're still a mother but um 100% give yourself something back you know just just do it do it for yourself yeah, I think you'd be a great testament to say, you know, if you hadn't have taken this time now, then who knows how much time you would be able to give your kids. Sometimes you have to take to fill your bucket to then be able to fill all of their buckets. Oh, and and you're right, exactly. I probably wouldn't have, if I was, you know, I kept going on the path I was going, I probably wouldn't have been much good to them anyway. Um, and, you know, Muay Thai did take a lot of my times, but I know now um, the way I encourage and um you know, some of the inspiration that I give my girls and my son, like, I know that they're proud of me and I know that they're glad that, I, glad that I've done what I've done and I know that um, they look up to me and, and um, you know, they hear my story or they, you know, they hear a friend talk about it and they're like, that's my mum, you know, like. So I, I do I do know that there was probably times when they probably really wanted me and I was at training, but I also know um, for the long term that we're a much better, stronger family, all, all of us together. I love that. It's so beautiful. You're in Rockhampton, is that right? Yes, that's correct, yeah. Um, so if people, especially women, I think, but if anybody is listening and is close to there and wants to train with you, what gym are you at? Can they come down? Do you guys do trials? Absolutely, 100%. We give you the first lesson free. And um, uh, Unison Martial Arts, it is. It's in Red Hill, um, just off the highway, um, I think it's Yamba Road. Yeah, no, definitely send uh, send the Facebook page a message or give us a call and, um, yeah, you'll never regret it. And you're, we welcome anyone, you know, young, old, new, or, you know, wanting to get back into it. Yeah, just definitely come along. It's great. Awesome. We'll put all the details to how everyone can get in touch with the club and your social media details in there too. Do you have a preference? Is Instagram, Facebook or anywhere like that better for people if they want to reach out to you personally? Instagram or Facebook is fine. Yep. Cool. We'll put the links to your Instagram and your Facebook in the show notes there. Is there anything else you want to tell everybody who's listening? Um, fight back. You can do it. <laughs> and this is a great podcast. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Simone. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Have you thought of something to be grateful for today? What was it? I'm grateful for the amazing women that train with me at the Fight Back Project. I'm grateful for Nari and the beautiful song Shape Me heard at the beginning and end of every episode. And I'm grateful for you for listening to this show and helping martial arts keep saving lives. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you'd like to leave me a review to help more people find the show, that's a bonus. shapes me but me
gotta tell you what my name is, I don't gotta explain it. Walk in the room, hear a boom erupting like I'm famous. I'm here shedding shells, I'm shameless. I fear nothing, no complacence. Walk to many tight ropes with no hope, so I became this poster they hold over all the heads of trauma holders. You don't need to know my history, I move boulders. Atlas shrug, cause I lifted the weight above his shoulders. No pretense of defense, move first like chess soldiers. This goes deeper than empowerment, cause huh, I'm the one to power it. Physical meets mental challenge me to keep devouring. If I can't change the scenery, at least I change perspectives. No longer isolated, but elevated and selective. Darkest places become beautiful spaces. This is where rage meets patience, meets power, meets gracious, meets. We're so glad you came in. The feeling is contagious. When you the walking impact of intended bad intentions. When you the manifest enough collecting all they tensions. You the soul and body hold it all and still remember. But I'm a work in progress, testament to all contenders. Forgot what it was like to have control over self. Forgot what it was like to be the one in charge. Forgot in my reflection, I can see all my wealth. Forgot that with my bare hands, I break all these bars, barriers, and obstacles. They can't cage me, they can't chronicle. All my, all my experiences and reduce them to appearances. When I was truly beaten, gave myself clearances to fall down, mess up, and get myself back up. I'm not looking for clovers, cause I don't believe in luck. Damn, you were badass, I heard them say it clearly. Why, thank you very much, I know now I'm not weary of what's next for me. Cause I expect to see growth like I was planted, watered, fed, and bloomed to be. The positivity and accountability. Knowing they won't step if I'm the agent of my agency. I think I found my voice again, huh? I think I found my voice again, huh? I'm not sorry, I'm not sorry, you're the end where I begin. Boundaries, I know them well. Take a breath and meditate. Who is she? I know her well. Now I get to open gates. One, two, one, two. I don't need your permission. And if you get uncomfortable, then use your intuition to know that I won't stay where respect is ever missing. And everything I do, that's me making decisions. It's truly underrated the value of self worth. Forgot that I was rich from the moment of my birth. A penny for my thoughts, no, really, you can't afford it. You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, or record it. You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, or record it, huh? Oh. 